Hi, and welcome to this special episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. We're proud to announce a new sponsor for the podcast over the next 10 weeks, and we would like to introduce you to NoiseAware. NoiseAware is an easy-to-use preventative noise monitoring solution that is wire-free and completely weatherproof with the option of interior and exterior sensors. Listen in for the mid-episode break where we'll hear some of the answers to your questions about NoiseAware. Let's get started. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Today you're going to hear my annual visit with Andrew McConnell, the founder of Rented.com. And we're going to explore what happened in 2020 and what we can look forward to in 2021. And hey, it's been quite a ride and I think you'll enjoy this. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new, and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. And wow, what a year it has been. It seems like every week when I've been talking to you on this podcast, something else has has happened. And most recently up here in Ontario, we have just entered into another month of lockdown. And that has caused, obviously, a whole slew of cancellations and guests being super, super upset because, as you can imagine, they had planned their New Year breaks and we had a lot of New Year cancellations to deal with. Uh, we've, we, we operated the same process as we did uh, back in March when we had all the cancellations for summer. Uh, very flexible cancellation policy. It was simply, yeah, you can cancel. We're not holding any of your money Apart from our booking fee, we did hold back. We, we, we charge a $75 booking fee. And that covers, well, it actually doesn't really cover the the, uh, the credit card fees. But it's, it's enough. Everybody was really happy to pay that. They were more than happy to be able to be let out of their, of their agreement with us and, and get the majority, the vast majority of their payment back and just have this small amount kept from them. And in fact, for some who just wanted to move their vacation to another date, then we were more than happy to move that booking fee to that other date as well. So they didn't lose out at all. So there was a real benefit for them to uh, to cancel and to rebook at the same time. So it has been and it, it's been interesting times. And I'm sure as we go forward into 2021, it's going to be even more interesting as we navigate our way out of the pandemic. Because I'm sure that's going to happen in this upcoming year. So I'm pleased to have with me today um, my friend Andrew McConnell. Andrew comes onto the show every single year, at, or certainly has done for the last three or four years, uh, at New Year to reflect on the year that's gone and to look forward to a new one. I'm not going to refer back to what he said in January of 2020 as to what he thought would happen in 2021. One of the things he did say, which did come to pass, of course, was uh, Airbnb's IPO. And we do cover that um, very briefly. So 
without further ado, because I'm sure you can't wait to hear Andrew and his predictions for 2021, uh, let's move straight on over to our interview. Okay, huge welcome today to Andrew McConnell of Rented.com. Again, welcome, Andrew. So I'm really happy to have you back again, but it just really shows how quickly the years pass. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those years that couldn't end soon enough for a lot of people. And then it ended so fast that you say, well, how did we already get to the end of it? It's, uh, yeah. Uh, ab- absolutely. Well, for those listeners who have been with me a long time, you'll know that Andrew comes and joins us every year for our review of the year and a peek forward into the new one. So we did this back. I'm not going to go back to <laughs> the end of 2019 and what we were th- talking about for 2020, but we did meet again in July. That was the first time we'd done that. It was a sort of a, a six-month health check. So here we are six months on and really reviewing 2020. So let's see if we can review 2020 without talking about COVID. (laughs) Uh, How? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, obviously it it changed everything. COVID and certainly number and number of lives lost and, and very tough, but it like with any crisis, it also created a ton of opportunity and, and forced a bunch of change. And you know, before we got on live, you talked about you're launching or have launched a new website. And I think what we've seen across the board is this push to innovation out of possibility as well as necessity. So rented my company, we're in the, the business of pricing and revenue management. We have pricing tools and we have full service revenue management. And there's been for years kind of an uphill battle to have this conversation with property managers of, hey, look what airlines do, look what hotels do, look how much more you can make. And many, many managers said, no, 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 what we've done is fine. We had 3% a year, we had 5% a year. And in a global pandemic, well, one, that never actually worked. It, it seemed like it worked because you weren't benchmarking against what the possibility was or what the market that was doing more dynamic was. But in a global pandemic, where demand totally disappears one month and then two months later totally explodes within 48 hours that really didn't work and so what it did was forced a lot of learning into a very compressed timeline and that that's just in one vertical i mean when you talk about cleaning and hospitality standards and all these others that every part of the business had to mature and professionalize and accelerate at a pace that normally would have taken five to 10 years and said, nope, you're going to do it this year. Well, it certainly happened in our neck of the woods because I mean, we, we still, we're, we're pretty archaic up here and, and we still have plenty of places up until 2020 where cleaning was not included as part of the rental. You know, somebody did go in and do a check, but guests were meant to leave the place as found. And we might be the last outpost in the world <laughs> that does this. But this forced a change yeah. because nobody was going to come to a property that had not been professionally cleaned. Yeah, and right. I'm sure there are a few out there that, was, that, that, that hung out and said, no, 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 you've just got to clean it before you leave. And, and here's your Lysol and wipes and then tell the people when they come in, you know, here's some Lysol and here's some wipes to uh, 
but uh, but in in general, it forced that change, and that this is be, it'll be very interesting to see what happens in twenty twenty one. Absolutely. Do they keep this policy going? I would love it if if everybody did, because you know we we changed our policy about six years ago, and, okay. and a lot of companies have have been very very slow in catching up. So I'm sure that you know you mentioned cleaning, and that yeah. that's definitely something that that happened for us. Yeah, and I mean, cleaning in particular, but I think across the board, it, there are at least two things going on. I mean, one is there's literally a health and safety aspect to it in, in today's environment. And so the need and the requirement for professional cleaning, especially when you think about governments potentially getting more in regulation now that Airbnb's gone public and more in the eye than ever, that's going to be a big concern and something to consider. The, the other piece to it is what we see in 2020, and I think we'll continue to see the benefit of it, is similar to what we saw in 2008, 2009. And it's this inflection point of totally new travelers coming into the industry. So people who never before would even consider a vacation home. No, why would I stay at someone's home? I'm always going to go to a hotel. The reasons are different. In 2008, 2009, a lot of it was financial saying, look, I really want a vacation. I can't afford to spend the whole week at this nice hotel out in Bali. I'm going to drive down to the beach in Florida and we can rent a house and get the whole family together. In this time around with COVID, it was again around a lot of driving of, hey, I need to get out of the city. I need to get out of my Brooklyn apartment or whatever it is. And I need a place where I'm not going to hop on a plane and I can go stay. And I don't want to get on the elevator with four children that I don't know and whatever they may be passing on to me. And so I want to get a single family home and get some space and some distance. And as these new travelers come in, they bring with them expectations of what a stay looks like in terms of hospitality, in terms of cleanliness and standardization, in terms of responsiveness and instant bookability and, and all these things. And it increases the, the total revenue potential for our entire industry as more and more of these guests come in, but it also increases the bar this industry must meet to be able to satisfy those new clients and retain them. I've been hearing this a lot from people that the bar has been raised, expectations are rising and, and you're absolutely right. It, it is in good part coming in from these new travelers. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen a mass of new travelers who'd never experienced our type of accommodation before as we, yeah. we, we knew that by the amount of complaints we got about mice and chipmunks and the fact that it was it was dark outside at night and too quiet <laughs> so, so yeah you know they couldn't go anywhere else so they're going to go north to cottage country and uh, and, and experience something very unique for them so yeah and I mean we hope that we have converted them into this this new style of accommodation but they have brought with them uh, just this bunch of new expectations to raise that bar higher so I'm, I'm glad you raised that yeah it's there's the surprise and delight i mean that the baseline what vacation rentals and cottages and everything can offer different from hotels that's what gets them in the first place but what's going to make them stay is meeting those bars 
of, well, it needs to be this kind of convenient. It needs to have this kind of responsiveness. I need to feel safe, all those kinds of things. And so it's, it's a huge opportunity. We've seen it. I talked to a pest controller recently and he said his business has rocketed because, you know, this is just one of the byproducts. His business has rocketed because there there was a lot of complacency about Mm -hmm. mice. (laughs) I'm coming sort of drilling down into this, into the, into the dirt here, but there was a lot of complacency about mice because they're a part of the accommodation experience. Some people said, so, you know, you find a mouse dropping, you open a drawer and there's a pan and you find a mouse dropping in it. Well, just wash it out. But yeah. um, there's been incidences of people you know, freaking out and leaving because of that old mouse yeah. dropping. So pest controllers, uh, the, the, the pest controllers have seen their business go up because people have suddenly realized that, you know, we can't be complacent anymore. If we want this business to continue, we've got to take a professional approach to it. So good for travelers, good for managers in the long run and pest control, bad for the mice and the cockroaches, I guess. Definitely bad for the mice. (laughs) So, um, you know, I hate to say winners and losers, you know, in in a year when there's been so much tragedy. But in terms of business, we've seen, you know, I've been guilty in part of saying, oh my God, we had this this best year ever. And sometimes forgetting that there's a lot of people, you know, people on in, in Hawaii, perhaps, and those in the city yeah. that have not had that sort of growth this year. So who, who, and what about suppliers? Who came out on the positive side on the, of this and, and who's actually suffered the most that might have struggles going into next year? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting being a year out from the 2019 conversation where... <laughs> I think there were two trends that came true in 2020 and, and they're going to continue to 2021. One of the things we talked about was seeing the first mega manager explode. And we saw a bunch of them, ones that have raised hundreds of millions of dollars fall apart on that ma- master lease urban model. And so that, to your point, those were models that were not built for this kind of event. Now, very few businesses are built for a global pandemic, but those were more... Yeah subject uh, to to some of the the vagaries of what's going to happen the the other trend we talked about back then that proved true and i think is going to continue is the resurgence of local of the manager that was this mom and pop business that people thought oh you're you're never going to be able to compete with vacasa or these big ones but that's exactly who won in this business in those drive to markets had the the local knowledge, had the relationships, had the local site, uh, and they did fantastically well. And it's it's tough when you talk about places like Hawaii, like the Cayman Islands when they shut down the airport, like a lot of places in Europe that really through no fault of their own, it's it's illegal. You know, we have clients in Hawaii and it's illegal them to continue to host people and it puts people's livelihoods at risk so saying being right on these or that there's winners and losers there's no joy coming from any of that i mean they're these are real people that in some cases lost their lives and in some cases lost their livelihoods and so it it truly is a unfortunate situation you're so right andrew it's been an incredibly hard year for many business owners hasn't it and some are going to be wondering what 2021 is going to bring in the way of recovery 
So I was thinking that one of the ways that they can put their best foot forward is to take a step back and look at the business objectively, um, see areas where improvements can be made. So with that being said, I want to take a quick few minutes to introduce you to our episode sponsor. This is super exciting to introduce you to NoiseAware, our first official sponsor of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. What makes it so exciting is that I've been I've been following NoiseAware for many years. And you'll know that I've interviewed Dave Krauss, who is the uh, co-founder of NoiseAware, uh, on a couple of occasions. We've been talking about Rent Responsibly, which is sort of his baby. And Dave has now gone on to spearhead the Rent Responsibly movement. So today and over the next 10 weeks, you're going to be hearing from Michael Goldin, who is the Business Development Director at NoiseAware. And he is going to be answering some of the many questions that owners and managers have about the NoiseAware platform. So that by the end of this series, you're going to know everything about NoiseAware and why it's going to be super useful for your business. So I'm pleased to have with me Michael Golden from NoiseAware. Welcome, Michael. So pleased to have you with us. Thanks, Heather. We're, we're uh, excited to be part of the show. Yeah, it's a delight to have you. So tell me what the story is behind NoiseAware. Yeah, NoiseAware was started as the result of a short-term rental party. Two girls were checking in, promising a quiet study weekend before finals. And Monday morning, our founder, David, was hit with 15 noise violations and two cease and desists. Apparently, the music did not stop from when they checked in on Friday night all the way until Sunday morning. And David was sitting there thinking, I live two miles away. I could have stopped this. I just needed to know that they were being too noisy. And fortuitously, the next week, he met our co-founder, Andrew, who was building radar systems for the military and quickly spun up uh, a few of the very first prototypes of NoiseAware. And here we are five years later and uh, stopping this problem that many people have been experienced in the industry. Please make sure you go on over to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash NoiseAware where you can see a video that we've done with Michael and one of NoiseAware's clients so you can hear a little bit more about how the product works, what it does and the benefits that it has for both owners and managers. Um, we've got to talk um, elephant in the room, <laughs> Airbnb. Yeah. But let's kick off with, you know, how did the big platforms fare overall? I mean, we all know what happened with Airbnb is that it started out booming in January and then February and March, it just went into negative territory and then picked way up again. And it was IPO, is IPO going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And then, of course, it did a couple of weeks ago. And... I, you know, I haven't read a huge amount about it. I'm sure you've, uh, you've followed it much more closely than me, but with a, with a $100 billion value, valuation now. So that's a lot packed into one question. <laughs> how did, let's start with how the big platforms did. It, it depends, I guess, on what element you say how they did. I mean, 
all the big platforms got hit hard this year. I mean, given how they collect their revenue and as cancellations came in and they're having to return it and they typically are funding on those prepayments for bookings and just like a lot of managers, that puts people in very tough financial situations. So you look at, it wasn't just Airbnb who had to go to Silver Lake and take a cool billion. Expedia did the same thing. And these are businesses, these are multi-billion dollar businesses. Uh, I go back to Stay Alfred. I mean, Stay Alfred did $100 million in revenue in 2019 and had to close their doors in 2020. That We didn't realize how bad things can get. Like worst case scenarios did not factor in this for so many businesses. And just how I think most investors overreacted to the negative case of did Airbnb really lose half of its value in two days or two weeks or whatever? And did they really 5X or 6X their value two months later? I, there's probably an overreaction to the upside. There's probably an overreaction to the downside. But so that's one thing on how they did financially. I think there's a separate question and concern on how these platforms and sites uh, responded and dealt with it from whether it's the guest side or the host and manager side. And I, I think somehow they dealt with cancellations and consulted or did not the managers and have spoken about it since or not talked about vacation rentals or managers and how they're partnering with them and gonna grow with them could have longer term downstream effects that are not good for the listing sites. And I, I think that's a big trend we're gonna see in 2021 and beyond. Uh, obviously you've been instrumental in the book direct movement and I've been a little more hesitant over time on it, but I think 2021 and going forward, it, it's going to become more possible and more necessary. So I think there was a time and place and, and still is that when you have a multi-billion dollar company spending billions of dollars in advertising, they are going to be able to attract guests more efficiently than you are. And so tap into that. It's not a, a moral victory to spend $20 to get a guest on Google when I can spend 15 to get that guest on Airbnb. Like that just doesn't make any sense. I'm getting the same guest. Now, getting that guest on the repeat business is a totally different proposition. And so we'll touch on that. There's a separate piece on attracting when search volume disappears, you can't rely on listing sites because nobody's going to those listing sites searching for places to book. They can't bring it in. That compounded with those sites showed this year when times got tough, they just stopped spending on marketing. So they were capturing a smaller piece of a smaller pie, leaving a big window for any search volume to go direct to the local managers who were playing in that game. Mm -hmm. But I think the bigger opportunity, what I'm most excited about for managers going forward is the ability to generate and stimulate new demand, not react to search, not react to people coming through the listing sites, but to be able to cultivate and cull their customer list. You were talking about going to a PMS and what the CRM is, really being able to utilize that CRM in creative ways to generate totally new demand. Hey, you came last summer did you know in the fall, you can get two weeks for the same price and it's the same beautiful, here are all the benefits that come in. 
hey, you stayed in this place and I, I know you only live a couple hours away. Did you know that you could book three nights right now because it's still available and here's the rate? There are all sorts of opportunities and, and no site's gonna get that because these people are busy. These people have a million things on their mind. They're not out looking to find a vacation, but if it falls in their lap, Mm-hmm. say, you know what? I, I really do need that. I really do want that. And that to me is the most exciting thing going forward is the book direct through generating and stimulating totally new demand, incremental demand. It, it's interesting to hear you talking about book direct like that, because over the years when we've talked about this, it's, it's been, you, you've been a little rest, little more reticent about the possibilities of of the book direct movement and and how it could uh, attract customers away from the listing site. So uh, yes, that that gives me that gives me greater motive motivation now, Andrew, to uh, to get ahead. I mean, some certainly that's something that we're doing with a new website is is building up the content and mm-hmm. we we built out twenty a drip campaign of twenty six emails that tie back into content on our website we've only had three go out so far and they've been incredibly successful and that's before tailoring right so that that's just out blasting your email list i think the real opportunity is creating these customer personas or individualized campaigns because you're able unlike a lot of digital companies like airbnb just has the person's credit card where they came through you have these people are sleeping in your beds you have the opportunity to really have conversations and get to know these people and build out really rich profiles what did they absolutely love about staying with you what concerns do they have what other properties do you have that would highlight those great things and not have those same concerns and get them coming back what other seasons what other times of year would resonate with them what other mindsets of okay i came for a one-week family vacation but maybe what i want is a one-month fall break to work and study remotely i mean how do you just think about everything in a new way that to me i think is the most exciting thing going forward and i think you know looking ahead to opportunities and threats for for 2021 that that is just a massive opportunity and and the opportunities that people are going to still continue working from home Mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future and, and for some you know are they going to go back to nine to five in the office or certainly next year probably doubtful so you've that that opportunity to capture that work from home market where they can make those snap decisions hey let's let's go away for a few days it's easy enough to take the kids out of school these days as well right Yeah, I mean, with the virtual learning, we learned it's possible. All these people that didn't think it was possible, when it had to be the reality, we made it possible. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to put that genie back in the bottle of pretending you can't work remotely. No, actually, I was forced to work remotely for a year. So you know I can do it. Let me go take this month with my family. It's going to help me recharge, but I can keep getting my work done. And this is when you talk about opportunities and threats, I mean, I think that's a huge opportunity for a manager who's built out a good contact list to go to them directly and, and generate that demand that wouldn't otherwise come in, come in. For those kinds of guests that would normally be going through a platform, I think this is a real concern for the OTAs and the listing sites. When you are taking 
eight to 15% of a three night stay. It's annoying, but it, it's okay, fine, we do it. When it's for a 30 or 60 or 90 day stay, that sticker price starts to get pretty serious. And I've seen so much and so many attempts from either the host and or the guest side to take it off platform. And so Airbnb's S1 talks about, oh, we, we're gonna, we saw this huge growth in these longer stays and here's this great thing. Yeah, but how, what percent of that revenue are you gonna continue to be able to capture? As more and more people have these bigger sticker price bookings, they're gonna have more incentive than ever to not take that booking on Airbnb. They'll just say, look, let's go over here. We'll each save a couple hundred bucks or a couple thousand bucks, depending on the stay. And I would think that's a long-term existential concern for some of those sites. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think uh, yeah, leakage is is a, is a term we, we will hear again. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned S1, and, and that, so I just want to um, segue slightly that in, I, I saw an article recently, and I hadn't, I didn't read the, the S1 filing, but this article was talking about the word trust, which appeared in that filing 66 times. Right. I think this is a huge opportunity as well for owners and managers to talk about how people can trust them. What do you think about that? Why are they focusing so much on, on trust? I mean, if you go to, why does Airbnb focus on trust? Yeah. Because let's, let's rewind to 2007 before Airbnb existed. Go take a poll of 100 people and say, would you on the internet book a spare bedroom in a stranger's house and go sleep there? Sleep there? 101 out of those 100 would say, hell no, there's no world in which I'm going to do that. It seems like a totally crazy and horrifying and terrifying thing. And how they did it was they had to build this trust with reviews, with initially, I don't even know if you remember how it tied to your Facebook profile and you could see the, the host, how many people they were connected with, that you were connected with and how distant or far you were socially because it became such a big thing because that core of going and staying with a stranger who's there, it's, it's a very different proposition to go to a manager. It's like, mm -hmm. look, this is a business. This is a business that's been around for 20 years. There's no one else on site. That versus I'm going to go sleep in a bedroom while two doors down in the same house is this person I've never met before. You need a crazy amount of trust to be able to get to that. It, so much has changed in the last 10 years that we forget what it was like before. I mean, the idea that a stranger rolling up in your Toyota Camry, you were just getting the back seat and never exchange money, anything, and they'd get you where you want to go. Like the whole concept of Uber and Lyft would have been insane back in 2008. And now it's become such a normal thing. Oh. But, but, but we are now, you know, we have moved on a lot. So why that continued focus on trust? Do we, do we not trust them now? Is it, 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 it just seems that it's, a, it's, an, it's like an overkill on the trust issue. Yeah, I mean, it's funny when you say, do we trust them now, uh, especially from the professional vacation rental management community and how some of those cancellations and refunds went back. I think there are a lot of people that don't trust them right now. And... I think it's tough because the Airbnb five-star experience is not the Ritz five-star experience, right? We, when we talk about five-star in hotel or luxury, it, it means different things, a five versus four versus three. With Airbnb, you can go stay in a 
pretty crappy one bedroom apartment and it's still a five-star experience because it met the expectations. It's not five-star in terms of quality standards, it's five-star in terms of meeting the expectations. And so I think for Airbnb to continue to be the brand it is, people have to trust that brand. And the reason I think, and it's hard to guess what people are and their motivations, but Expedia, who owns Verbo and Booking.com, uh, they grow and generate revenue predominantly based on how much they spend on marketing. It's very much around performance marketing. They spend billions and billions every single year with Google to drive traffic in. Airbnb tried that in 2019 and it didn't work. They spent billions on marketing and it didn't generate extra revenue for them. What they have that those other two don't is they have a brand. People go direct to them at twice the rate or more of those other sites. And so they have to keep that trust. They have to build that trust to, to totally set themselves apart from anything else out there. We don't have anything like that. And so trying to, to back out what Airbnb will look like, we, the default is, well, is it like booking? Is it like, no, it's a totally new thing. We don't know if this is a good thing or not. We don't know how well they'll be able to maintain this and how costly it will be to maintain this. Um, but I, if I had to guess, I would say that's why, because it has to be a brand. And the only way for the brand to have any meaning is for people to trust. When that brand says X, it means X. So do you agree that, uh, that it's, it's a good focus for posts and property managers to have, if they're looking at a book direct, is to actually spend some time on this, this whole idea of how do we get uh, guests to trust us, as, as well as we yeah. might do the OTAs. It could also be a red flag. I mean, I with so much, I go back to stoicism, but I think it was like a Marcus Aurelius saying, stop telling me you're gonna be a good man and just go be a good man, of if you have to, talk about trust, that's kind of a red flag. So you, I don't think you'd want to put that word in. I think it's just about delivering on what you said you were going to do. So you don't do it through your words, you do it through your actions. And it's the reviews you get on the back end. It's on the repeat bookings that you get directly from the people that stayed with you. That's what builds trust. That's when they tell their friends. That's when they bring their friends. And then if you're doing it right, you're collecting their friends' contact information while they're guests in your home so that next time those friends book and they bring other friends and you keep building from there. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And, and there's so many ways that you can build trust without saying, hey, you've got to trust us. That, I mean, I, I would be hard-pressed to find a worse way to build trust and say, hey, trust me. That, <laughs> that sounds like you're trying to sell me something that I don't want to buy. Okay, so what other what other threats do you see coming ahead in 2021? I mean, that's that's such a loaded question because we have no idea what's going to really come. Yeah, I mean, regulation is always going to be a threat and always is a long time. But for the foreseeable future, the uncertainty around regulation, are they going to play nice? Are they going to see this as an opportunity themselves to help generate economic activity within the local economies? Or... Is it going to be a health risk or some other risk that they're, they're pushing back on? So I think regulatory risk is real. I think health risk continues. I mean, we're doing this and cases are still surging. So I, 
I think we're probably worse off now than we were in March. People are just behaving differently. And yes, there are vaccines on the horizon. People are actually getting them. I, I don't think we're going to really know a lot for months and months, if not years. And so that level of uncertainty, I think, continues to be a problem. I think there's a whole third level of economic uncertainty mm -hmm. with if millions and millions of people continue to stay out of work, what is that going to do to the economy? What's that going to do to people's ability to travel or owner's ability to service these mortgages uh, on the, the properties they're buying, service the debt there? So whether it's economic threats and uncertainty, health threats and uncertainty, there, there are some big open questions still out there. So, so with that in mind, and on a final note then, final question, what do you think, from an operational perspective, what do you think smaller property managers and independent owners should be paying attention to in this coming year? You know, let's set, a, set aside $100 billion valuations, yeah. and, you know, these, these are the guys that are trying to do what you were just talking about, staying afloat. To me, the number one thing you can do, the advantage you have, the smaller you are, is you don't have users. Like a, a tech company with tons and tons of people has users, millions of people. They're just numbers, user ID, number 143, whatever, right? What you have when you're a small business is relationships. And the more that you cultivate those and actually care about those people and get to know those people and what they want, the better position you are going to be to deliver on their expectations, to exceed their expectations, to know where you want to take it next and do those things like know exactly when to reach out and about what to get them to come back when they wouldn't have thought to come themselves. Can you get to know them in the context of what you do better than they know themselves? Mm -hmm. And the smaller you are, the more personal you can make it. And that is a huge advantage. Okay, I was going to wrap up with something, and I think it's probably asking you to tell us about rented. Okay. I know you do this every year, but you know that the, there may be people well, we change who, every year. It seems who so. didn't listen last year. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. you're a you're a changing company. So so let us know what you do and how people can get in touch with you if they wish to. Absolutely. So rented, and certainly get in touch with us at rented.com uh, is is the website. And what we do, we have two main offerings. And our objective is really to grow small and local businesses, local property and vacation rental managers, and allow them to compete in this totally global and digital way. Uh, and again, we do that in two big ways. One, we have full service revenue management, where we have some of the best revenue managers in the industry, and we put them on your properties. So you get to focus on those guest relationships, on the property care, and we take on revenue management on average, bringing in five to seven dollars for every dollar you pay us incrementally. Um, the other is for those businesses that want to keep revenue management in-house. We have our automated rate tool, ART, named after uh, my grandfather who recently passed away. And what that is, is the first revenue management and pricing tool built by property managers and for property managers and revenue managers. And so it's, it gives you all the visuals you need. It gives you what you need, but not all the stuff you don't want that can clutter it and crowd it. It makes it super easy to give you the right rate and the confidence that you have the right rate at the right time on your property to really maximize your performance. Excellent. How can people get in touch with you? 
Yeah, I, I'm on Twitter at M.A. McConnell. Rented is at Rented.com. And then LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me and, and connect with me. I'd love to, to connect with anyone there. Well, I'll make sure all your contact details are on the end of the show notes. So I hope you have a very happy new year, Andrew. You as well. Your family sitting in that Thank sun you. in Bermuda. <laughs> it's, it is lovely. It is absolutely <laughs> how, long, lovely. how long do you expect to be there? Open-ended. I, I can legally be here right now until October uh, from the one-year permit. We only have a lease till the end of January. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in that window, <laughs> probably. Oh, so, sounds sounds wonderful for 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 one who can't get away, <laughs> get a, get away from the snow this year. I really do envy you, but I'm um, I'm thinking that we should catch up again in another six months' time, okay. and uh, then, then we can you know then we can see what uh, what January to July brings us. So for now, thanks so much. It's been always as always a huge pleasure having you uh, on the show. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again before that six months is up anyway. Absolutely. Thanks, Heather. Well, thank you, Andrew McConnell, for joining me. As ever, a pleasure to have you on the show uh, at the beginning of a new year to look back on the previous year and to take a look forward into the next one. This one, of course, was an interesting one as we look forward into 2021 because really no one can really predict what is going to to happen. But uh, it was lovely to hear Andrew talking about um, Book Direct and and the fact that he believes that this is a great opportunity for us. Uh, I, I fully agree. I think that there are guests, many, many new travellers who are looking at lots of different avenues and not just Airbnb these days. So let's keep the book direct options open, people. Make sure that you don't have all your eggs in one basket and that you are considering your own website if you haven't already got one. And, you know, if you're like me, we are, we are, we're, we have been this year at 100% book direct, but for 2021, we will be going back to advertise on some of the major platforms again because you always keep those options open. You know, I, I, love, I love having guests come directly to me and anybody that comes to us from another platform will always be given the opportunity to book direct the next time. It's just making the most of everything we have to maximize all our opportunities. Thanks for listening. Always a pleasure. And I'll be with you again next week. Thanks again for listening to this episode brought to you by NoiseAware. For more information and to connect with the NoiseAware team, visit vacationrentalformula.com forward slash NoiseAware, or simply click the link in the description section of this episode on your smart device. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.